Welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. This is Tim Winders, your host. I'm a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. My wife and I consider ourselves nomads. We currently live, work, and travel in a 39-foot RV. Today, very unique though, I am actually recording this from my old family home just outside of Atlanta. So I am not in my RV like I usually am. So kind of different for me, different setup. One thing I'd love for you to do is make sure that you listen to the end of the podcast. We will include ways that you can continue the conversation we start today by connecting directly with us. Today, we have Perry Marshall as our guest, and Perry's an old connection. We haven't connected in a long time, so I am really looking forward to our conversation today. Perry is one of the most, and this is his words, most expensive business strategist in the world. He has endorsed in Forbes and Inc. Magazine. He's guided clients like FanDuel and Infusionsoft, which I think is now Keep, from startup to hundreds of millions of dollars. His Google book laid the foundations for the $100 billion pay-per-click industry and Ultimate Guide to Google Ads is the world's best-selling book on internet advertising. Marketing maverick Dan Kennedy says, and Dan's, Dan's our buddy here, if you don't know who Perry Marshall is, unforgivable. Perry's an honest man in a field rife with charlatans. He's consulted over 300 industries, has a degree in electrical engineering, so, and he also lives in Chicago. Perry, welcome to the Seek Go Create podcast. Good to see you, Tim. I haven't seen you in quite a while. And yeah. I'm glad to be on your podcast and we're going to ricochet on all kinds of topics today. So yeah, we'll, we'll probably put some money in your, in people's pockets and uh, probably go down some interesting roads. I, I absolutely believe that too, because I, one of the things I was going to finish up with this question, but I, I just want to go ahead and say this to everyone else. I, one of the things that I admire about Perry is that I know he is a thinker and he spends time thinking spends time thinking about things, which means he has the ability to converse about many topics. And so I think we're going to have fun with that. One of the first questions, Perry, I love to ask, though, is just kind of, especially we're in business space, I think people need to kind of know this. What's your elevator pitch? You and I get on an elevator. I don't, I don't even know if we could get on an elevator now with all that's going on in the world, but let's just say we could get on an elevator. We got about five stories and I look over, I say, Hey, what do you do? What do you tell people? Um, I reinvented the 80, 20 principle, which is probably the most powerful thing they never told you in school. Everything just about in the world is 80, 20, uh, 80% of your money comes from 20% of your customers and 80% of your headaches come from 20% of your employees and uh, 80% of your uh, product line uh, creates 20% of your uh, profit and 20% of your product lines makes 80% of your profit. Um, well, it's, it's not just true once, it's actually true over and over and over and over again. Um, so 20% of the 20% is 80% of the 80%. And 1% of your customers generate 50% of your, of your sales. And so I found that if, if I can teach somebody uh, enough grounding in 80-20, they can walk into any business anywhere and start fixing stuff. 
And it doesn't really even matter whether we're in the sales department, the marketing department, the accounting department, the manufacturing department, or the management or the employees or HR or whatever. And so uh, my claim to fame is I, I first applied 80-20 to Google advertising. Um, I opened my first Google account about two months after Google started making that available. So it was brand spanking new. Nobody really understood what it was. And nobody really thought Google was a big deal either back then. In 2002, Google was just another one of these quirky little companies that might go out of business any, any day now, right? Um, but I, I opened that Google account, and I started experimenting it, and I thought, this is it. This is a giant 80-20 machine. And if I can figure out exactly where the levers are, I can eliminate about 95% of the wasted time and effort and everything. So I think that's how you and I became friends, at least in some degree, it had something to do with me uh, doing Google advertising. And I have a Facebook advertising book uh, and an 80-20 book. And um, there's really no end to the adventures and rabbit holes that you can go down when you start uh, fixing things. So that's what I do. Right. Excellent. And I, and I had on my notes for us to really dive into that, but I, I'm going to go ahead and ask a few questions related to it. And then we may circle and veer back to it. But what, what was going on that forced a loud stars aligned luck, God's hand intervened, whatever, what was going on that positioned you at that place at that time for Google is, you know, two months in and you, cause, cause that really is, that was a defining moment for Perry. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Well, so, um, I remember this day vividly. It was March of 2003 and I had just got done reading Richard Koch's book, The 80-20 Principle, which I think everybody should read. It's like, it's a basic foundational business book. Um, it, it, it's brilliant. Well, on page 14, he makes this sort of throwaway comment. And he says, 80-20 has a lot to do with fractals and chaos, which is like, if anybody knows like what, what the butterfly effect is. Um, I'm like, oh, 80, 20 is a butterfly effect thing. Whoa. Well, I knew a bunch of stuff about that. So all of a sudden these two worlds collided and I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. That means it's not just uh, there's these two groups of things. There's actually a whole continuum and it's actually a calculus formula, but I can't figure out what it is. So all day long, I was obsessing about, cause I'm an engineer. Like, well, if I could get this down to a formula and then I could stick it in a computer and then, or a spreadsheet or something, and then we could do all these cool things with it, what, what's the formula? And I was stuck. And so this was on a Friday. And I remember the, the, I was obsessing about two things that day. The other thing I was obsessing about was uh, I had done a teleseminar, like, before webinars, webinars didn't exist back then. And I had sold $11,000 of stuff in one hour, which completely blew my circuits. You ever have one of those moments in your early entrepreneur career, like, oh my, caveman discovers fire! And 
was like, whoa, light socket. Um, whoa. And I was thinking, huh, I wonder if I could use my business to help this little project in Mozambique. My wife had, I think she just either been there or was about to go or something. They, they had this like school and a church and a feeding program and they had like people dying of AIDS and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, wow, you know, like a dollar goes a really long way in Mozambique. I wonder if I could do, you know, turn that crank a little more. And so I was thinking about calculus in Mozambique all day long. Well, there was this music thing at church and my, my wife told me to go to it. So I just went and so they're playing this sort of Pink Floydy kind of music, and I'm just in La La Land. And there's not really a program or anything; it's just music. And and I was enjoying myself, and I was just lost in thought. And I was thinking about calculus, and I was thinking about Mozambique. And I look up, and this woman is making a beeline for me. She's black. I've never seen her before. I have no idea who she is. She walks right up to me and she says, hi, my name is Vivian and the Lord gave me a word for you. Now, I have heard of things like this. I have never had anything like this happen to me before. So this was a first for you. You know, you didn't hang out in the deep Pentecostal spiritual no. circles no. that played Where Pink Floyd, that paid Pink Floyd type music. <laughs> I was... This church was kind of into that stuff. I was sort of new there. Everywhere I, everywhere I come from, it was either don't talk to us about that or, or don't ask, don't tell. But, you know, like nobody's going there where I, anywhere where I was before, okay? And so she goes, the Lord gave me a word for you. And I thought, well, this should be interesting. And she goes, the Lord told me that you're very good at math. And you're working some kind of equation, some kind of formula, some kind of invention, and you're going to figure it out. Just keep working on it. You're going to figure it out. And I just looked at her like, whoa. Because you hadn't like, said anything to anyone, right? It wasn't no, like you were no, walking around. No, I hadn't said a word about this to anybody. Okay. Um, and, and I looked around and I, I remember doing math in my head. There, oh, I don't know. There's about 35 people here. What's the chances of walking into the building and picking, like, how many people are thinking about math right now? One. Yeah. Zero other than eight. you, right? <laughs> Zero other than me. And, like, this immediately got my attention. And, um, and then she turned to walk away, and then she spun back around. She goes, oh, and he told me something else, too. You want to support missions, and God is going to bless your business so you can support missions. And now I just stared at her, and I was almost in tears because, like, she punched me in the face twice in, like, 30 seconds. And I just, all I could manage to do was say, if only you knew. And she goes, he knows. And she just walked away. And I stood there and I thought, did that just happen? Dang, like that really happened. Like that was a bona fide memo from the head office. I wasn't talking about any, anybody about any of this stuff. 
Um, and, and so it's like, well, that so seriously got my attention. So, okay, so what happened next? Well, um, I kept working on that formula and I would pull it out and get stuck and put it away and pull it out and get stuck and put it away. Three years later, I finally figured it out. And it's now the backbone of my 80-20 sales and marketing book. Um, it was published two years ago in Harvard Business Review. Um, the, like the math, the actual math part. Um, and, um, uh, during the next couple of years after that happened, my business went supernova. It probably grew 400, 500%. Um, all of a sudden, like I'm getting speaking invitations in Australia and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And, uh, I looked back in my email box of like, I went, wow, you know, that was on a Friday, uh, March 23rd or something like that. What other stuff was going on then? And I found that um, three days before I had gotten an email from a guy named Ken McCarthy and we were discussing Google advertising and he asked me, who should I get to speak at my seminar in Google advertising? And I gave him a name as somebody and he goes and talks to that person. And, and he comes back to me and he goes, well, Andrew turned me down. I think you should speak at my seminar on Google advertising. And as soon as he said that, I was like, Oh, so that means like that puts me on the seminar circuit. It means I got to like have something to sell. It means blah, blah, blah. I need to write some kind of a book. So I started writing what is now Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, which will be in its sixth edition um, this fall coming out. And it's sold about 100,000 copies. And um, all of that sprang from this prophetic person showing up, total stranger. I found out much, much, like literally 10 years later. Uh-huh. I found out that she, I found out who she was. Um, it took a while. It took, it took 10 years to find her actually. Um, she had been invited there by some, she was on a nonprofit board of directors. Some other member of the board was like, my son's playing music, Vivian, you've got to come. And she's like, whatever, you know, I'll get this guy off my back. And she shows, she's never been here before. She doesn't know who any of these people are. Um, she says that she was getting like poked by the head office. You need to go talk to that guy. And she's like, I'm not going to go talk to that guy. I don't want to talk to this guy. And they're having this little argument. And, um, and so that like totally changed my life. Um, like I can't even tell you. Um, and so, uh, so ever since what I call memos from the head office have been, a regular part of how I run my life. Um, you know, when to the extent that clients are open to working with that sort of thing, uh, we go down that rabbit hole. I'm working on a book that'll be out later this year called Memos from the Head Office, which is, I don't know, it's about 16 or 18 stories that from myself and a whole bunch of other people. Um, 
talking about that. And, uh, you know, there's, um, there's a scripture that says, if any man let lacks wisdom, ask. And what I believe is if you, if you're humble and you ask for help, you get help. If you ask for wisdom, you get wisdom. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's why people know who Perry Marshall is. It's so, because those, that happens. So many things from that have been catalysts. And then, then a lot of things that we don't know are things that led up to that. We, I, I've always said that we have these catalytic moments in our lives, but in, in reality, there were a lot of pieces that came together right there during that time. You know, we've heard some of the great masters literally had divine, um, you know, inspiration for the great paintings and inventions and Einstein and others yeah. like that. So, mm -hmm. so that's what you're talking about, correct? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, the Greeks believed in the muse, the Greeks believed that, um, you know, that, that creative ideas and inspirations came from the outside well i i believe that's true and like jk rowling was like sitting on a train uh that was stalled somewhere in london and she got this kind of two-hour download of a kind of a jumbled harry potter story mm -hmm. and she she started writing it like it all just sort of came to her and it was all in her head and she managed to like pull it out of her head and get it into outline form. And then, I mean, I think she worked on it for seven years or something, but, uh, but it came almost all at once. And then later I heard there was a lawsuit from somebody in New York who had written a very similar story at about the same time um, that she was writing that and a judge determined they couldn't find any indication that there had ever been any cross pollination between the two, which would suggest, I mean, I've heard people say this just sort of offhandedly. Like I remember Yannick Silver saying, you know, I believe that when you get an idea in the shower, there's like six other people in the world that got the same idea on the same day. And now it's a race to see like who can do it. And there, there's a book called What Technology Wants by Kevin Kelly, where he's got a whole chapter that actually talks about that. Like how many people were working on an airplane all at the same time and the Wright brothers actually beat all the other ones to the punch. And, and, and so like, I don't know how it works. Hmm. Okay. I know one thing, one thing I do know is the world is a lot more sophisticated than just a bunch of billiard balls banging around in the universe. I know that there's no question. There's layers and layers of, of what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it, it defies scientific um, modeling. Yeah. Even though I want to make a very clear distinction, it can be scientifically verified. Like, you can verify things happen that you cannot explain. Mm -hmm. I, and my, my experience with Vivian is, is an example. Okay. I don't, I don't have a laboratory that can tell you how that works, 
but I, I definitely have an experience. And a person with an experience is never at the mercy of a person who has a theory or lacks a theory, right? So, um, you know, experience, <laughs> there's, there's nothing like an experience, man. It isn't. But so, so there's a couple of things that are kind of firing in my brain as we're having this conversation. And, and I, and I want to say we went deep earlier than I thought we would, but I'm cool with that. Are you cool with that? <laughs> I'm easy. <laughs> so yeah, I had some questions like, Oh, are you from Nebraska? And all that, blah, blah, blah. I forget all that. We're going deep. So <laughs> So I was in a camper van in the middle of the North Island of New Zealand with my wife. It was during winter. We were on Tongariro National Park. And, and it, was, it was dark. It was winter. We were there kind of off season. We were going to be living there for about three months. And we were nomads at the time, basically homeless nomads from some downfall of businesses. Okay. And, and we had been just spending massive amounts of time crying out to the Lord, pleading, you know, asking why, and some, in some ways feeling sorry for ourselves, like some of us are prone to do. But Perry, I was, I was meditating on a scripture and it, and it had a good bit to do with money and some of the things that are some, some things that I've had to wrestle with, which is, I pursued money a little more vigorously than I should have pursued some other things in life. But I'm, I, I won't, I'm not going to give it all away here, but I'm laying there in this van. It gets dark at 4.30. So my wife and I are just going to sleep early. We're kind of doing some things. And then all of a sudden, I get this thought about, it, it's really from a scripture of someone who came into contact with Christ and it's one in all of our Sunday school lessons in church world. We've always spoken poorly of this person because of the way they responded. And, and I'm sitting there thinking about it going, what happened with this person <laughs> after they interacted with Christ? And I felt the Lord say, well, no one is, is changed that comes across Christ. And so what it led to, though, is, is a novel that I've just finished and it's going, it's in edit and things like that. And, you know, and I don't know if it'll be a whatever, but novels were not really in my wheelhouse. That's not, I'm an, in, I'm an engineer also, you know, I'm a guy that would have written a leadership training or something like that, not a novel like an Ogmandino type greatest salesman in the world type thing. So, so I, I bring that up and then I'm going to follow it up with a question that I would have in my mind if I were listening to this conversation. And that is, looking back, we can talk about the date, you know, March, you know, March 2003. But what can we do to be proactive about situations like that instead of it happening and us only knowing about it afterwards? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, so I obviously wasn't looking for that to happen that day, which, you know, I, I love the beautiful surprises that happen in life. But um, once that happened, my radar was on. And I had a friend, 
um, who liked to say, he had a great saying, his name was Tom Hubyar. He said, there's burning bushes everywhere. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that the world, the universe, the earth, God, all of the above, I'm not mixing them all together. Okay. I'm saying there's all kinds of different channels of communication that are happening all the time. By definition, we're only aware of, I mean, how many thousands of things are going on right in this room? And I'm talking to you and I'm not thinking about, yeah, not thinking about the, the, the paper in that book is decomposing or, or, or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we can only focus on so much, but, but I think w- when you start to ask questions like, okay, what am I not paying attention to that I need to pay attention to? And where can I get more? Where is there more where this came from? Okay. Now there, and there's lots, there's lots of versions of this. Like, okay, here's a really pedestrian example. I read Richard Kosh's 80-20 book, and I didn't go back and read all the rest of Richard's books for years later. Mm-hmm. You know, when a book is that good, you might want to go read their other stuff. Okay. Now, like, this is super incredibly obvious, right? But look, look the, the, the same thing's true with Vivian. Like, well, if something like that happens to you, well, you got to know there's like people who do that sort of thing. In fact, uh, a few months later, I was telling some guy about this. And it turned out he was the guy whose son was playing in the band that asked her to come in the first place. So I kind of accidentally bumped into him. And he goes, oh, you had a Vivian moment. She does that to everybody. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, Tim, uh, right now with COVID going on and, and plus a bunch of other things, um, as of late, my church is me, Vivian, and two other people on a conference line on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. And we just, we just bounce. are a little Y'all just community. bounce. Y'all just bounce off each other, right? Right. Okay. And that's like, and the, this must be going on God knows how many places. In fact, just about everybody I know who's a serious person of faith has just kind of spontaneously put together it's like, man, you know, I need some soul time. Let's all, maybe it's, maybe it's on Wednesday morning or maybe it's on Saturday afternoon or whatever, but man, like we, we just gotta, we gotta open up some space. We gotta pray. We gotta, we gotta just drink in some goodness. Um, we, uh, the four of us, we've been praying for neighborhoods in the city of Chicago, um, different things like that. Right. And it's like, you start pursuing things or like three years later, I went to a prophetic conference because I've seen a couple more things yeah. and like this, they got me really curious. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here, man? This is ama- This is like the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Right. And then, and then I, I go down that rabbit hole. And, and so, you know, I just think there are certain things they sort of have your name on it. And I think sometimes Sometimes we're afraid, oh, well, gee, if I go down that rabbit hole, I might get too extreme or I might be too obsessive. Well, guess what? 
if you have an obsessive personality, which almost all entrepreneurs do, you're going to be obsessing about something all the time. I don't care. Right. You know, it's just a matter of what. So you need to pick the, the right what and then obsess about that. And then at least have a healthy obsession instead of an unhealthy obsession. Uh, you know, and, and if, uh, if you got good people around you and you get too carried away, somebody will conk you on the head. Yeah, there's plenty of there's plenty of things that will make a correction. So anyway, that all right. So you fast forwarded. So I'm going to fast forward also. We are right now recording this during summer, and there's many things going on in the world. And uh, later, I'm going to get to something really cool, which is some predictions you made at the end of. <laughs> 2019, which I stumbled across the video and it was super cool when I was doing some, some research. But one thing that I want to ask this, this, the people watching this on Facebook live, they're going to get it obviously real time if they listen to it anytime during that time. But if, as the podcast releases, it'll probably be late summer, 2020. So whenever people are listening to this, we could almost guarantee there's a lot going on because it's almost like there's a momentum of really weird stuff happening. And so what I want to do is I want to kind of pause and I want to tap into your brain power and that prophetic and the memos from the head office. And, and I'm all into what you're talking about also. In fact, I'm on the board and I coach a guy who's like a Vivian. And so that you know, Perry, he has a membership coaching program. <laughs> That, that he teaches people how to hear from God. And it's a program that I've been working with him on helping him develop and all. So it's really cool. We have a family foundation that we're working, working with ministries like that. But so I actually just had a thought. I converse with this guy multiple times and he's asking me questions. And how crazy is that, that he's the prophetic and he's asking me questions. I'm telling him things on coaching and structuring and things like that. I should probably be asking him questions all the time, shouldn't I? Well, I don't think so. Okay. Now, here, here's what I found about, like, everybody, including prophetic people, is the whole human race is rock, paper, scissors. Hmm. Okay. Like, okay, so for example, I mean, I know, I know some crazy, crazy talented prophetic people. And so, like, I was talking to one of my friends about one of these folks and he's like, Hey, you know, that guy, boy, he's got an amazing gift, but well, you know, he went and tried this and he went and tried that. And this thing didn't work out. And that thing didn't work out. I said, look, man, um, just, just because he's prophetic doesn't mean he's God and he doesn't mean he knows everything. In fact, my experience with a lot of like, I've been watching people for a long time on this is that different people have perceptions into different things and they see some things super crystal clear, like tuning fork, right? And other things they're yeah. kind of fuzzy about. Some people, they seem to be very good at political issues and global things. And some people are very good at like reading your mail. And some people are very good at discerning certain spiritual things. And they're all, they all, it's like they all got their own sort of radio station going on. Right. And 
And, and so it doesn't surprise me a bit that this guy who has such clear perception in one department is totally, it's just like, I'm a very creative person and I'm analytical and I can do all this stuff. The last thing you want me to do is administrate. I hate administration. Yeah. Well, you could go, but you're an electrical engineer. That's just logic. I know it is. And my wife, like she wakes up in the morning and her spreadsheet of where the kids are going to go and all the stuff starts spinning. It drives me crazy. Right. And so, you know, Oh, it's just logic. Well, yeah. Okay. But not really, <laughs> you yes. know, and, 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 and so that doesn't surprise me a bit. And in fact, the most gifted people are almost always, if you'll excuse the expression, a little savant-like. The people with the most brilliant perception of one area can be, you know, trying to cross the street in the middle of traffic, picking their nose and not noticing the bus is getting ready to run them down. In fact, I've I remember being told that Einstein literally needed somebody to lead him across the street because he was so lost in thought. Um, well, I, I, I have some absent-minded professor myself, you know, so um, not surprising, Tim, at all. Yeah, at all. yeah, that's good. So, and, and it's probably another confirmation on why we need to communicate with each other, why we need to gather like you and Vivian and your other folks are and, you know, masterminds and, and business consult, you know, how we, why we need to be intentional about communications, because what I believe a lot of people do is they isolate themselves. I did it for a, for a season when we were going through some business struggle and it was a big mistake. I needed to reach out to people and converse instead of isolating. Well, I, I think one of the best things about any faith community, but especially a small one, well, one, one of the great things about any faith community, it is, is almost by definition an interdisciplinary thing, okay? You go to any church of any size, there is a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, a surgeon, a professor, a garbage man, a policeman, like every kind of, right, but when you get in small ones, because big ones are hierarchical, inevitably, right? There's always, and you know, there's the big pastor and all that, but like, um, I was part of a, let's call it an arts church for about three or four years. And we had like 15 to 30 people that would show up. And I remember this is, there was this guy named Bob. Bob was, so I'm, you know, I'm the sophisticated business consultant and I'm a famous author and all this kind of stuff. Bob drives a 15 year old beat up Toyota. He works at Walgreens. Um, he's in his sixties. He used to do acid. He, he's sober now. Uh, and he's a drummer and he, look, he's barely duct taping his life together. Okay. Like really. You know, and sometimes the church would give him money. But you know what? I like to play drums and Bob likes to play drums. And we'd sit there in the drum circle and we're playing drums and we're and the spirit is flowing. And Bob and I are equal. And I would just sit there and go, I love that all of these titles and everything, they just go away and we can just be 
in a circle. You could just play and drums. Just be human beings and you just play just drums. Just play the dang drums and not worry right. about Bob's background, his financial statements or anything like that. That's right. probably the kingdom of God. Yeah. 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 And Isn't it? you know, like, in fact, I remember, I remember getting a text from Bob and it was like, uh, Hey, you know, I've been having some heart trouble and it, it was some kind of, so like, it was some kind of like emergency instructions or I don't remember if it was the password to was an apartment or whatever, but like he was telling like several people, you know, like this is how close Bob is to the edge. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's like, okay, I really, cause I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Just like Bob could have a heart attack tomorrow. Right. Like it, it's, 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 it's the equalizer, you know, we're all equal under God. We're all equal in the drum circle, right? Um, and that, that's just, uh, that, is, that is a a particular unpretentious thing that you get in a small gathering. Yeah, you could interact with people. It's not an entertainment. You know, it's interesting, this time that we're in right now is that many of those larger organizations have been shut down. And, uh, and so they're having to restructure and do more, uh, what I term relationship versus religion. You know, they're having yeah. to really interact with people and you know what, Perry, some are going to pull it off organizations, churches, etc. Some aren't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're not going to make it. All right. So, so let's, let's bring ourselves to where we are now and, and I know you work with a lot of businesses, a lot of, a lot of heads of organizations, companies. I know, you know, we know where you are spiritually and how you have the thought process there. What, what are you seeing as we're recording in the summer of 2020 with a pandemic that could have been a black swan event for the economy or we're not quite sure yet? Uh, we're, we're dealing with some civil unrest, which shouldn't really surprise anyone. Mm -hmm. We're in an election year and there are a lot of people. And again, I'm, I'm going back to what I went through in 08. Uh, I thought that I knew what to do, but I didn't. But what are you telling people about the times that we're in right now? So I think in 80-20 language, this is a 95.5 decade, not just a year. Mm. Um, okay, what do I mean by that? Yeah, unfold that. I, I mean bl black swan. So, so, um, so I did this this uh, interview uh, and series with with Bob Rignaris, ten predictions for 2020 to 2029. If you go to PerryMarshall.com/slash/two o two nine, you can read them. Uh, well they've already about half come true. <laughs> um, and it's only six months later. So what, what, let me try to describe to you what was the underlying insight and logic behind, uh, behind those. So, so we've talked about 80, 20. Well, 
Another version of 80-20 is what I call 95-5. It's when 5% of the companies get 95% of the business and 95% of the other companies get 5% of the business. So you have extreme inequality. Well, so that would be, so here's an illustration. The automotive industry is 80-20. If I go ask, you know, the seven-year-old across the street, can you name a dozen car companies? He can name a dozen car companies. Mm. He'll think of Lamborghini and Kia and Hyundai and Honda, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, tell me 12 search engines. There aren't 12 search engines. In fact, in the whole world, you probably come up with about six that are really actually legitimate search engines and the rest are all just, you know, trivial, right? And, and, okay. the, percentage, and the percentages outside of the top two are... Right. You know, Glory, Glory worked for Mozilla Firefox for uh, a few years and, you know, they would be in that search engine but their percentages keep getting lower and lower, which is a challenge. Oh, yeah, right? So, so yeah. So Google has 95% market share, and then everybody else is just fighting over the scraps. Okay, so that's 95.5. Okay, so the brick-and-mortar world is 80-20, and the internet world is 95.5. Why? Because the internet runs so fast. It's frictionless, okay? Friction increases inequality, doesn't decrease it, okay? So when there's a lack of friction, when things can, when something can move across the world at light speed, then one company can completely dominate a market and control the lives of hundreds of millions or billions of people. So you have, you know, what are the Facebook stats? Like, you know, Facebook has what, 3 billion users and 2 billion of them log in at least once a month and a billion of them use it every day and a hundred million of them never even get off of it all day long. Ever, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. They're watching That's us 90... right, they're watching us right now. Okay, That's 95.5 and Okay, a virus gets to spreads to some people and then gets into an airplane and then anywhere there's international airports, there's viruses everywhere. That is a 95.5 phenomenon because it scales very rapidly and travels very quickly. Okay, so you are going to continue to see this is butterfly effect on steroids is what it is. Butterfly effect says a butterfly's wings on one part of the world could cause a hurricane six months later somewhere else. That's the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. It's from chaos theory. Well, guess what? Because the world is so interconnected, one lunatic or one disaster or one bat virus or whatever, you know, this one thing out of a billion can mm -hmm. multiply incredibly okay i don't see an end to it okay like okay one okay like cops abuse black people like every day but 
one with the right, like, it was like humidity, temperature, pressure, social situation, everything else, perfect. You got eight and a half minutes of it on camera. There's no arguing about what happened. Kaboom. Right? And George Floyd is like the most famous guy of 2020. And in, in how long did that take? 12 hours? Right. So this is the characteristic pattern of the 2020s. And mm. I wish I could tell you that it's going to stop, but it's not. And not only that, I think, so I predicted, I predicted the, the college education bubble is going to pop. It's yeah. popping right now in slow motion. It's just nobody's noticing because all this other stuff is going on. But yeah. the college bubble has already popped. Yeah. And let me, I want to tie a couple of these together. I, we're not going to go through all of the 10 predictions that you made with a few bonuses, by the way. I'm going to recommend people go get it. But you, you said that Occupy Sally May was one of them and yeah. the resurgence of trades, which I kind of interlink those two. Mm. And yes, who knew that the bubble that would pop Sally May would be that people weren't going to be able to actually go to a college or attend a football stadium. And so people are going to realize we've got $500 million in buildings sitting here that we need to pay for. We need international students to cut the checks for this. And we can't get people to show up and they're realizing they could sit at home and get a better education by reading Perry Marshall's books. <laughs> Which is true, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I told, I got a friend who is getting ready to drop $110,000 on an MBA. I said, dude. Get this book. Read this book. You'll get you'll get half the value of, of an MBA just reading this book. And he's like, no. I said, yes, mm. you read it. Well, like two months ago, he sent me an email and he'd read some article about how 20% of the, COVID cases were caused by 80, 80% of the COVID cases were caused by 20 of the people who carried COVID. He's like, this is incredible. I'm like, yeah, it's a law of nature, man. Of course it is. I, I told you that when we had beer six months ago, you didn't believe me. Sure. So, so you've got Sally, Matt, you've got the colleges are a bubble that's about to bust, you know, it's about yep. to go. Yep. And, and I agree with you. I've been saying some things, not with the, not with the um, clarity you have, but, but that, that we need more people in trades. People are going to get these degrees. They're not really getting degrees that have, I hate to say this value, but they don't. Yeah. I mean, it's true. And uh, so, so yeah, all of that's going on. I did want to ask one question because you, there's a lot of these, that would be so fun to really dive into. But, but what I wanted to really ask is not really future, but, but in my quiet time, not as scientific as what you're saying, I've been feeling as if we are in some type of famine situation <laughs> and, and it could not, it may not look like famine that we have, you know, biblical or whatever, but, but there's famine because of that, as you worded it, you know, there's lack of friction, which leads to high degrees of inequality. 
yeah. which is really like gasoline on some of these fires. Yes. Oh yeah. So, so, you know, we hate to be a bummer for everyone, but what this means is things don't look good. So do you see a way that it can correct, adjust pendulum? I know that's a word you use a pendulum swing or what is, what can we do to give people hope? <laughs> Maybe the best way okay. of saying it. So one of my beliefs is that mother nature does not like 95, five. Uh, in other words, a monopoly as powerful as Amazon is unnatural. Hmm. Okay. I mean, like one company gets like 50% of all e-commerce. Right. That's, that's weird. Okay. Now it's perfectly logical and perfectly understandable. And in any MBA can tell you why. And so can I, but it's weird. Okay. So I believe that, that 95.5 systems are fragile. They break. What happens is they break catastrophically. Okay, like all of a sudden, Amazon AWS cloud services is down for two days because somebody hacked into it. And now Netflix doesn't work. And half of our websites, the pictures don't load or whatever, okay? Um, now, now I teach, I mean, I teach business strategy. I teach people to harness network effects. I teach people how to build 95.5 businesses that dominate because you're either, you're either gonna be on the winning or the losing end of that. Um, and, and so, I, I don't see any like, I don't see any way to put on your MBA hat and, and solve it. Here's what I do believe. I believe, so this is caused by frictionless e-commerce is what it's caused by. Mm -hmm. And I should know because I wrote the book on Google advertising. Okay. I know how this works. Yeah. The solution to frictionless e-commerce and the problems that it causes is frictionless community. Basically, it's Acts chapter two in the New Testament. That is the only way that you solve. So my, my prophetic um, uh, viewpoint would be that we are looking at a competition in the next 10 years. You're going to see a competition between socialism versus acts chapter two mm. because the the fact that so amazon is held together by network effect network effect is when uber gets more riders which gets more drivers which lowers the wait time which attracts more riders which attracts more drivers which lowers the wait time and suddenly you wake up one day and there's no way you could ever start another taxi company they would beat you. So network effect is the ultimate moat around Uber. Well, what that creates in society is a lack of mobility for people who are locked out. Okay. So 
what the internet creates is fabulously wealthy people mm-hmm. in very small numbers and then everybody else. I'm like, well, I got a degree in art history and all I can get is a job at Starbucks or all I can do is drive an Uber, but I can never own a company like Uber. Yeah. Right. Now and, I'm not, and Starbucks, I'm not advocating. And, Starbucks, and Starbucks just closed 400 locations or something that I think, yeah, it's like crazy. Right. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm not advocating a, you know, helpless mentality at all. I'm just observing. This is how masses of people feel. Okay. So you got the social justice warriors and, and you got Black Lives Matter and you got all this stuff going on, okay? And, and most of it is really well-intended desired outcomes combined with a lot of really bad strategies for how to get there. Like, oh, well, let's defund the police. Oh, you want your neighborhood ruled by mobsters and gangs? Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Now, I don't, I don't disagree with the problem that the problems are there at all, not at all. I know the problems are real. I just know that you're, you're living in a fantasy world if you think that society will run without pol- like what? name one country that doesn't have police. I mean, yeah. Well, to go to go to what the theme is is the solutions are attempting to try to reverse, not adjust, but reverse the 95.5. Is that correct or no? Am I missing it? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they're, well, they're, 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 they're trying to throw rocks through the window, right? Okay. Well, <laughs> they're, not know, even and, in the, and, they're not even in the realm of 80, 20, 95.5. They're, they're just wanting to try to get, provide a solution that doesn't even fit. No, I, I, I think, I think the, when, when I wrote 80-20 sales and marketing, there, there's a chapter where I talk, I confront the 80-20 problem in society. Like, okay, mm-hmm. so I've been talking about all these chapters about harnessing all these inequalities and these tiny levers that swing big doors. We, we need to stop for a while, and I need to acknowledge the problems that this creates. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because one of the things 80-20 tells you is, the poor will always be with us, as Jesus said. Okay, mm-hmm. um, which I don't, I don't think, I don't think he's saying it's completely impossible to eradicate poverty. Okay, but that eighty twenty curve, like that math curve, that it's always yeah. there. It's everywhere, right? So it's like a law of physics. You're going to have inequality. And one of the one of the things that I figured out is that you cannot fix inequality externally Hmm. it's never worked okay the bolsheviks didn't do it and pol pot didn't do it and chairman mao didn't they all tried and they all end up creating a tyranny that was worse than what they started with okay the only way that you can get generosity is somebody has to want to be generous Hmm. period that is the only there's only one kind of generosity and it's free generosity. Okay. So, so people need to like, look, if, if Jeff, if Jeff Bezos loves his employees and loves his fellow man, 
then Jeff Bezos will do great, wonderful things with his wealth. If Jeff Bezos is like, I'm gonna build myself an empire. I'm gonna be the greatest business tycoon of ever. You can tax him, you know, if you tax him, all he's gonna do is take money from his employees when he wants to go buy a yacht. Yeah. So earlier you brought up, you, you made a statement. You said that where we're moving to is socialism versus Acts 2-2, which is the early church, which is a model that's always fascinated me. And what's interesting is that over the last few years, Perry, I've been looking at the coffee shop culture, the startup culture, co-working. I've been looking at a lot of things that to me has done better with some of that community. The, the word you used earlier was frictionless community. Yes. Of people that are together 24 seven. They're in the group like you and Vivian, where y'all meet, y'all talk, y'all communicate, y'all, y'all get deep with each other. You reach in, you help each other. You, you are generous with each other. Do we have models of that currently? And if we do where, and if not, where are they going to come from? I have a theory that they may not come from the church. Well, I, th I think they, they happen almost naturally when you have very small groups of people who come together for worship and faith. I think it's almost natural. Like, you know, that little arts church that I was talking about, I called it the tribal embryonic drum circle. <laughs> that wasn't the official marketing name, was it? <laughs> no, it was called Greater Chicago Arts was the actual name. But, um, but it was like, if, if you, if you got together and, you know, a third or half of the people are musicians and you're just gonna connect with God and bring, bring dinner and have some food and talk freely about what's going on in your life. It'll happen. And, and people crave this. Okay. Even uh, in the, even in, so, even in social media land, I think they crave it even more now. Don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think, you know what social media is? Social media is salt water for a thirsty person. Mm. Okay, I think, I think social media makes people more lonely, not less. Okay, so take, take social media as it already is with all the echo chambers and everything and the polarization, and then you add an, a pandemic you got like the loneliest civilization you've ever seen in your life. You've got like, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to guess like probably half and half the people in the world are directly affected by the pandemic. There's a lot of farmers and people out in the rural areas that really aren't dealing with it too much, but about half the world is. You got 3 billion, like 4 billion, like lonely people and they can't go see very many people. And, uh, boy, there's a lot of, you know, uh, husbands and wives that 
should have probably got a divorce a year ago <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, man. Like it's crazy. Well, and it's, so it's magnifying a lot of issues that were probably already there and yeah. it's happened so quick. And, you know, one concern that I have is that I know what economic and financial challenge can do to someone's soul and just their mind and soul. And, and we haven't even begun seeing what that's going to look like. But no, but so what I what I'm going to try to do is see if I can shift a little bit. Can, can I just add one thing? Yes, sure. Hang on your shift. I, I know I sound like I'm pa painting this really bleak picture, but but I am seeing there's something else I'm seeing. Great. And here's what it is. So, for example, I I had a like a, let's call it a healing prayer session with a guy not too long ago. It's kind of like, let's call it prayer therapy. And um, in fact, I've had a few of these in the last couple months and I got done. I go, Ray, that was, that was like killer. Good. That was like really good. He goes, Perry, every single one that I do is like that lately every time okay now i think god's up to something i think a lot of old decrepit stinking right you know like the fish stinks from the head down there's a bunch of institutions and organizations and structures in the world they are coming down and nobody had the will or the strength or the wherewithal to take them down earlier. But now all of this stir fry is forcing it to happen. And I think there's a, there's a lot of good underneath this, but the bandage has to get ripped off. And I, I think that's where we're at. And I, I'm not despairing about this. Yeah. I think I'm going to be fine. I think my friends and my and clients are going to be fine. But man, this is a time to be listening to the head office and asking for wisdom like no other. Certainly not like anything that's happened in my lifetime. And if we're going to have a series of Black Swan 95.5 more events for the whole decade, you know, God help the person that thinks they're going to figure out in advance. Good luck. Yeah. I mean, okay, that, back, back to you. No, well, but that is so cool that you brought that up because one of the things that I said when this thing first started, I said, isn't it interesting that the idols of the world are falling left and right? Sports. And listen, I love sports. I mean, I mean, you know, let's let's just say anything could be an idol yeah. to someone. Yeah. And an idol yeah. is something that we put above God, but sports, religion. I mean, the church is closed down. A lot of them were religion, not necessarily relationship. You know, we had governments, we had, uh, uh, entertainment is still shut down and all of those things are shut down. And so in some of my quiet time, Perry, I'm sitting here and I feel as if the Lord said there's, we're moving rapidly toward there being only two choices, my kingdom or not. 
You know, it's it's my kingdom or not. It's not like someone can do, you know, their sports and hang out and then maybe pop in church and whatever. It's my kingdom or not, which is really cool and interesting. So, well, I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't at least tap into your experience, your brain power, all of your background with working with businesses and give some solid uh, either mindset or practical advice for that business owner, entrepreneur, person that maybe has an idea to start something that's listening going, man, I'm digging all this stuff, but man, we're struggling a little bit here. We need to kind of right the ship or we're rocking along. So can you give us a few things before we wrap up here and jump off that someone can maybe grab hold of? I do recommend highly that people go and we'll put links in the notes and listen to those videos on all of your predictions because you're correct. I'm looking at about six or seven of them and the others I'm with you on too. So man, you're, you're right there. So give us some tips, give it, te teach the business people some stuff. Okay. So in, in 8020 sales and marketing, I, I talk about the five power disqualifiers, which are John Paul Mendoza's five things that are always true anytime anybody buys anything from anybody. It's this, this is a valuable list of five things. Okay, number one, they have the money. They're not buying your stuff if they don't have the money. I don't care if you sing Kumbaya or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Number one. So number two, they have a bleeding neck. And I'm going to come back to this in about 10 seconds. Okay. It's just to list the other three for you. They buy into your unique selling proposition. They have the ability to say yes. And not only the ability to say no, because a lot of times we sell to people that can, you know, we're, we're selling to the engineering guy, but we're not talking to the boss or the purchasing agent or, or whatever. Right. And number five, it fits their overall plans. Now, bleeding neck have you ever gone to the emergency room and you have a broken arm and you think you're having the world's biggest crisis and some woman slaps a clipboard on the on the counter and says here fill this out fill out the forms and, <laughs> and then you go then you go hold your arm for the next two hours with good housekeeping magazine until they get around to seeing you, right? It's like what you thought was an emergency, not an not a, an emergency, right? But then some guy comes in with a gunshot wound and blood is squirting out of his aorta, and they don't give him a clipboard. He's like they they rush him right into the room and they start work, and all these surgeons start appearing from everywhere. Okay, people spend money when they have bleeding necks. Hmm. Okay. And this, and this is the advice that, that I have for people. This is not a time to be selling great ideas or like really cool concepts or something like that. This is a time to be selling bandages for bleeding necks or to switch metaphors. The tide went out, everybody's swimming naked. Okay. Go sell swimsuits for 20 bucks as fast as you can. Yeah. Okay. Like put swimsuits on your, over your arm and run out to the naked swimmers here. Yeah. Okay. Like 
there's way more problems now than there was six months ago. So go find a problem and solve it. Yeah. Some people are going to get wealthy during this time, aren't they? Absolutely. This is when, this is when the agile people get wealthy. I mean, honestly, Tim, this stuff hits. And once I kind of, kind of got, once the sort of shock of it wore off, I'm like, oh yeah, we're going to figure out how to make money from this. I ain't coming out of this. I've already bought a bunch of stocks when they were low and sold them when they were high. That was great. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, look, if you're fast and you're agile and you're awake, this is a great time to be making money. If not short-term, I mean, short-term, maybe not long-term. Absolutely. So. Yeah, that's, um, that's good. And I guess I wanted to ask what it's interesting. Agile is one of the predictions you made for the decade is that agility was going to be critical. Uh, last, maybe the last question, I'm not sure, but last question, how can people be agile with all that's going on? And I want to ask, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pile on with another question here. I noticed that my head had a little bit of fog in it with all that was happening. And it's, and you just referenced that. Um, how did you get through that? And because I think it relates to agility, it's hard to be agile when we are in a fog or, or can't think clearly. So maybe the bigger question is how do you think clearly when you need to think clearly? Okay. So inspiration never comes when your fists are clenched. Hmm. Okay. Now, a lot of us, a lot of times have plenty of good reasons for our fists to be clenched because something's awful right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Like welcome to the club. So here's what I found, especially in the last three months. I have to carve out time in the morning no emails, no social media, no TV, me, my notebook, and the head office. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Maybe some music. I play music, but none, like none of this input. Okay. You got to stop it. Um, and I pray, I meditate, I listen, I get my head clear. All right. What am I actually trying to accomplish today? What's actually important? What's not? What am I grateful for? Like all that kind of stuff. Okay. On top of that, I've also found I have to find some way to recreate and make the cares of the world go away. Uh, what works for me is riding my bike and listening to music. I don't care what it is for you. It could be anything. Okay. But I have to keep my inner space intact. Like it's like the, in airplanes, um, put oxygen mask on self before assisting child. Okay. Absolutely have to. I've had a lot of conversations with my wife, like, 
um, especially when we were really super quarantined and sort of, instead of just quasi quarantined, like we are now, yeah. I go, you know what, Laura, I've just spent six hours on zoom. I am exhausted. I'm sorry. I can't come and play shoots and ladders. It'll drive me crazy. If I try to do that, I got to lock myself in my library and play loud music for an hour or two, and then I'll be okay with the world. Yeah. And she's like, I get it. That's fine. Go, go listen to music. Right. Um, like, so I don't know, you know what it is for you, but I, people need more self care now than usual. Right. And, and, and you're not a narcissist for wanting that. Maybe it's video games, whatever. Okay. Just don't do self-destructive things. Like, you know what I've noticed, Tim, and we, we do need to wrap here, but yep. I've noticed some people, they're exercising more, they're whipping their business into shape, they're cutting bad expenses, they're, you know, they're doing push-ups, they're riding their bike, they're, and there's other people, they're drinking more, they're, they're, they're eating more ruffles and Oreo cookies, and they're yelling at their kids. Or Netflixing or, or just they're they're Netflixing, binging. they're on unemployment, they got checks from the government, so they don't really care. It's all kind of hopeless anyway, and they're just spiraling down the drain. Yep. And you know what? Guess who's gonna have the money in about two or three years? That's right. That's good. Right. So and I can't decide that for you. Only you can decide that for you. Right. Some some churches are going out of business and some people are on zoom or a conference line having a fantastic, you know, little virtual drum circle or, or whatever it is. Right. And so you've always got the choice of, you know, whether you're going to make good or bad out of this stuff. So. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Perry. And we are up against a time time here, but I last couple quick things how, uh, and I think this actually relates to how you manage your time. How can people connect with you? You don't give out your phone number, do you? I, I don't. Um, go to perrymarshall.com slash 8020. Okay. And buy this book for seven bucks. So it's about 18 on Amazon, seven, including shipping on my website, perrymarshall.com slash 8020. I, I said this earlier. I told a guy who was about to get $110,000 MBA. You read this book, you got half the value of that MBA right there. And I'm not kidding. It is a very foundational book. It'll change the way that you see everything. 8020 sales and marketing, seven bucks at perrymarshall.com slash 8020. Yeah, very cool. We'll include all that down in the notes. What's next for you, Perry? Either short-term, long-term, or anything. What's well, next? Well, um, I am very deep in science. Um, I founded the largest science research prize in history. It's called the Evolution 2.0 Prize. It's $10 million. Um, in October, I'm working on a cancer evolution conference in Cambridge, Massachusetts with a bunch of associates who are all, you know, like people from Harvard and the University of Chicago and places like that. And, um, you know, that is my passion project. Um, there's a lot of reform that needs to happen in science and I'm working on that. So that's a whole other conversation, but if you Google evolution 2.0, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff about that. Very cool. 
title of the podcast, Perry, is Seek, Go, Create. I know with your background, you know there's some words there that have some scriptural reference or not, but which one of those words jumps out at you, last question, and why? Create. Because that, to me, you know, being an engineer, um, that is that is the part of humanity that expresses the image of God the best. Uh, God creates as do we. Mm-hmm. So I love the create part. I love creating businesses. I love creating products. I love creating ideas. It's, it's one of the great joys. Excellent. Perry, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I really appreciate you taking the time. If you would like to continue this conversation, and I would hope that you would, we encourage and welcome you to do that. Go to seekgocreate.com to comment on this episode, post or contact us. You can also find us and communicate on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those handles are Seek Go Create. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to connecting with you on the Seek Go Create podcast in the very near future.